The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain it, what I'm feeling right now, guys. Let's open up that rainbow! Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC is going to do the same thing again year after year. Oh, no. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio, episode 413. Coming to you on Wednesday, September 1st. It is officially college football season because we are previewing the USC Trojans' first game of the 2021 season, USC and San Jose State locking horns at the Coliseum Saturday afternoon at 2 p.m. on the Pac-12 Networks. We're excited. We hope you guys are excited. We're going to talk about the game, break it down, give you our predictions, play some over, under, open up the mailbag, and so much more. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Wherever you can find a podcast, we are there. Our email address is reignoftroy at fantena.com, and our phone number is 213-373-1USC. Second Woods Bruin Show. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host here in the Rain of Troy studio in Los Angeles, Lisa Dareto. Hello, everybody, and oh. suck at Woods Bruin Show. I don't know why. I don't know why you botched it. Completely just, like, didn't continue. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure what, I have no idea what just happened there. Brain you the, fart. You got the yips? Apparently. We just, we, we, two episodes for this season so far, and uh, we, we, we haven't nailed it. Neither one. No, we have not. But it's time to start doing it. It's, hey, hey, it's week one. Yeah. You get out your jitters in week one. Yep. You flush out the, the issues in week one. Uh, we've talked about this a million times before. Week one is the week to make all those mistakes. Uh, but still win the game, and uh, we'll see if USC can avoid doing those mistakes because they've enjoyed week one a little too much of late, but the Trojans have a big one coming up on Saturday against the defending Mountain West champions. Uh, I'm super pumped. Uh, it'll be the first time at the Coliseum uh, in, in a year for a real game, uh, and last year we only got out to one game uh, because yeah, we, we got... We got, we got COVID. We got COVIDed. We got COVIDed. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And so I'm super pumped. As we mentioned before, I'm going to be at the game covering the game. You are going to be, uh, watching at home, and then, uh, we will. I'll come home and record the car cast together, so we can have our first thoughts discussing the game, uh, in true car cast style. Which we, we've talked about this before. What is a car cast? The idea of the car cast is to talk about the game 
when you get in the car and t- that conversation you have on the way home from the game or you're talking to your friends, your family, whoever you went with the game with, and you're just decompressing about the game and you're having that, that talk on the way home, that's the point of what the car cast is. That's the hope of what the car cast is supposed to be. And so this is going to be perfect. We're going to be able to get right back into that true nature of what a car cast is because uh, we're not going to be talking until... Uh, we hit record on the car cast. Yeah, so it'll be it'll be nice and fresh and just uh, completely unrehearsed. Yeah, it'll be fun. Well, it'll be it'll be a blast. Uh, we'll see how how that goes. Uh, look for that up on uh, your podcast catcher of choice Saturday night. Hopefully, sooner than later, we'll see how it works out with uh, with our new situation. Um, but we're super pumped. Uh, it is San Jose State, a state school, but not UC Davis. Yeah, and we avoided that that uh, that fate, which I think is very good. I, I think in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter that USC hasn't played a, 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 a non-FBS school yet, but it kind of matters to me. So I, I am very happy that we're not having to discuss USC playing UC Davis, and instead we're having to discuss USC playing the reigning Mountain West champion. So yeah. Yeah, Mike Bone came in and wiped them off the schedule. Uh, And speaking of the schedule, Alicia, you know what else is on the schedule? The liftoff for the new Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer from Manscaped. Because this podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. And this is a spaceship here to guide you on a journey to trim your balls, your body, your butt, and even Uranus. (laughs) That, yes. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Um If you order from Manscaped, uh, you can get the package that includes the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver Toner, the Performance Boxer Briefs, and a nifty little travel bag to hold your entire solar system in. Because, you know, we've all got our solar systems just... You've got Uranus, but you also got Saturn, Mars, Jupiter. What's your favorite planet? You got to keep them all in place. Uh, uh, Jupiter, I don't know. Mars, do I have? Am I supposed to have a favorite planet? I think you gotta have a favorite. Planet. I don't really have a favorite planet. Can I be like cheeky and just say Pluto because it's not a planet? It's a dwarf. My planet. planet. It's yeah. a dwarf planet. Still planet. Yeah. Either way, you want your planets nice and arranged, and you can do that uh, by getting twenty percent off with free shipping with the code fansided twenty at manscaped.com. That's twenty percent off plus free shipping with the code fansided twenty at manscaped.com. For a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you. Indeed they will. Yeah. Uh, Alicia, there is some news to get to before we get into talking about USC and San Jose State here on this first game preview of 2021. Let's get to it. Let's get into the news, which is really just us talking about USC's injury report. We wanted to be able to go down the depth chart, but of course, USC released the game notes earlier this week on Sunday without a depth chart. The depth chart will be released before the game uh, later on in the week, uh, which isn't ideal for the podcast, but we can still talk about some parts of it, uh, including what's going down with USC at the wide receiver position. Uh, these are the guys who are out. Gary Bryant due to COVID. Brew McCoy, suspension. Jake Smith, a foot injury. Adonis Ote with the wrist. Brandon Peely with Achilles. 
Jordan Iasefer with the knee, Taylor Katoa with an Achilles, Britton Allen with the knee, Max Williams with the knee, and Mo Hassan with the knee. Most of those guys, season-ending injuries, the Brew McCoy suspension and the COVID uh, protocol situation with Gary Bryant or the big TBDs uh, that you got to keep an eye on. But uh, I wanted to get to this tweet we got from uh, Shotgun Spratling to talk about. Uh, he said, with Gary Bryant out and Brew McCoy still not able to participate in team activities, USC only has one wide receiver not named Drake London that caught a pass last year for the Trojans. One. And that is John Jackson III who caught one pass. Yeah, that's that's the the weird thing about USC's wide receiver core that I kind of harp on every year, I feel like, is that like, yes, USC has very good receivers, but also like the depth is always questionable and the experience level is usually kind of questionable. I think last year that was a, an exception. Um, the, you know, we've had situations where USC is bringing back three starting wide receivers, but this year it's it, it is it's up in the air. The good thing is that the guys that USC is shuttling in there now, it's not like you're bringing in bringing through freshmen who maybe these guys will be good. They, the transfer portal has kind of changed the the complexion of the wide receiver group. You have Taj Washington, who had really good production at Memphis. You have Katie Nixon, who has a track record of production with Colorado. Um, so it's not like you're you're. It's not like the guys on the roster. There's only one guy aside from Gar- from uh, Drake London that has experience. You you've brought in some experienced guys. So it. it in past, I think this would have been more of a concern than it is this year. But it does go to show that, like, this is a new look wide receiver core, and it could be very, very good. But you can't necessarily bank on it being everything that you hope it will be. Right. Also helps you have Kyle Ford, who did not play uh, last year in catch a pass. Yeah. So he is there. Uh, but he's not a transfer. He's sort of a returning player who yeah. comes back the question, uh, from injury. The question I would have is how quickly have the transfers been able to get on the same page with Keaton Slovis? Because if you had like redshirt freshmen coming through, theoretically, they've been you know working with the quarterback for a while. That's the one thing that certainly in, in this opening month of the season, right. we might have to work through some some situations where are the quarterbacks and the receivers on the same page because it is such a new look group. Yeah, it's going to be a thing to watch uh, on Saturday and going forward. Again, USC and San Jose State playing on Saturday. Who is questionable? Uh, A group of guys. Corey Foreman with the groin, Darwin Barlow with a hamstring, and tight end Malcolm Epps with a toe, turf toe. Yeah, the turf toe is the one I would worry about. Those other guys, they're just... You know, there's a lot of guys who work their way through camp and practice carrying injuries, so that's not necessarily surprising. I would expect to see those guys play, but Malcolm Epps with the turf toe, again, I just, I hear turf toe and I think, oh no, this is going to be a multi-week process that's not going to be pretty. So if Malcolm Epps suits up, I will be extremely happy, but turf toe is not a, not a, not two words I like to hear together. Yeah, we, we talk a lot in the offseason when, when we're asked things like, who's going to start at running back? Usually I'm like, whoever's healthy, because that's what it's going to end up being. And here we are, USC going into week one. Darwin Barlow, the TCU transfer, is questionable with a hamstring, and Keontae Ingram is probable with an ankle injury. This is what happens. This is what happens to running backs 
uh, in in fall camp. So good news. It looks like for for Giante Ingram to be probable uh, to join a running back group with Vi Malpai, uh Keenan Kristen, uh, Brandon Campbell. Um, but you got to have Ingram there, who has really turned some heads in the offseason. Yeah, and and you would sort of expect him to be the starter, co-starter with Vimalapai. And I I guess the question is, how much does USC plan to use any of their running backs? But the the sort of word was that they're going to try and do more of a bell cow kind of situation where they sort of settle in on one or two. So if Keontae Ingram is that guy, then you want to see him be able to get a full load. And the injury situation might be the thing that prevents him from getting the full load. They might want to yeah. slow play him a little bit. So We'll see how that uh, that rotation is impacted by that one. Yeah, they're, they're going to want to throw him uh, into rotation uh, for sure. Uh, let's get into this game, though, right? Uh, USC and San Jose State, uh, Saturday, 2 p.m. The Trojans last year were 5-1. and one. They went 5-0. and oh. Both these teams went perfect in the regular season. The Trojans were 5-0 and oh in the Pac-12 uh, and then lost the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, in heartbreaking fashion, the Oregon Ducks uh, and San Jose State went seven and sorry six and zero in the regular season. Uh, they went seven and zero after beating Boise State in the Mountain West Championship game and then lost to Ball State uh, in an Arizona Bowl that was a cluster of a game for uh, for the Spartans. But seven and one last year, one of their best seasons ever. Uh, they're led by Brett Brennan, who's in his fifth year with a 16-30 and 30 record. Again, he's turned things around really of late. Um, this Spartans team is interesting because they are the defending Mountain West champs. You can draw lines to compare them to Western Michigan, uh, Fresno State. Teams who the year prior you could make an argument were the best uh, group of five team or at least in the running for being one of the best group of five teams in the country the year before USC plays them. Um, But San Jose State, unlike those other teams, returns a bunch of people. Fresno State two years ago, remember they lost to everybody? Literally everybody. Literally everybody going into that game. And here's San Jose State where they bring everybody back. 20 returning starters, 9 on offense, 11 on defense. And those 9 on offense include guys who had like half starts or uh, like, you know, started half the time. Right. So uh, it's, it's wild because you look at the returning production, the returning production doesn't tell the full story. They're only 92nd in the country in, in returning production. That's because their two biggest losses uh, on offense. The only two guys that, that they did lose were their star wide receivers who accounted for 47% of their catches and 57% of the yards. That was Bailey Gaither and Trey Walker but everybody else is back on both sides of the ball, including quarterback Nick Starkle. He started at Texas A&M, transferred to Arkansas. Now he's at SJSU. Uh, had a really good season last year with a quarterback ready of 152.6. 17 touchdowns, 7 picks. Uh, and they're led on defense by Cade Hall and, and Valami Fajoko. Uh, two defensive ends who are really, really, really good. Uh, Cade Hall was the 2020 Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year. Both those guys, first-team all-conference players. So a lot of experience. I don't know that there's a danger man, uh, which which can lead us into talking about another discussion about this team, but 
compared to what USC has seen from Western Michigan uh, and from Fresno State in recent years, this team seems to be more complete. Are they better than those two teams? I don't know, but they're more complete than they are than those teams were coming in off of their big seasons. Yeah, and that's the worry, right? Because we know that USC starts off slowly, usually. doesn't help that they keep ending up getting these G5 teams that are coming off really good seasons, but uh, USC just doesn't tend to be uh, quick out the gates. So when you face a team that is appears to be pretty well coached, that appears to be pretty together, that, that accomplished a lot last year under weird circumstances, that's a little bit scary because those are the kind of teams that can sort of get you in trouble. And uh, you, you look at it and think like, okay, what what is my biggest concern about USC on offense or across the entire team this year? It's the offensive line. Well, it it's less than ideal to be facing a team whose arguably strongest unit is the defensive line. Um, Cade Hall and, and uh, Fehoko are... are good defensive linemen who will punish you if you're not ready to go. So this is going to be an interesting test for USC's offensive line, knowing that you're going against a team with experience and knowing that you're going against a team whose best players are the guys that are going to be challenging your your tackles that are making their first starts. Yeah, and we, we've put it together um, here in our little rundown, and I've highlighted that I, I think the comparable for San Jose State should not be Western Michigan. It should not be Fresno State. should not be any of those good G5 teams that SC has played in the past, even though it's easy to do that since those are week one opponents. I think, if anything, it's Iowa. Uh, I think San Jose State is Iowa light with a better quarterback. And hear me out. They rely on great defense um, and, and line play. On both sides of the ball, they rely on the line play. They don't have a transcendent skill position guy. I don't think they're going to burn you at wide receiver or at running back. Uh, remember Western Michigan had Corey Davis before USC played them, but that was one of the big reasons why they were so good and went to the Cotton Bowl in 2016. There's no Corey Davis on San Jose State. There wasn't one last year either. They won because they're consistent. They won every game by double digits. They're remarkably reliable and consistent and all those things. And Nick Starkle is very good. Nick Starkle is also not uh, Zach Wilson, you know, at, at yeah. BYU. He he's he's not going to be someone who's picked in the first round, but he's someone who can be incredibly reliable for what you want to do in this offense. Uh, more so than than what you would look at and, and look at the Iowa situation. So Iowa lights with a better quarterback is the way I'm putting this, which leads to one question. Does San Jose State not being a team that relies on outer skill position talent to make them more? Does that make them more or less scary than a as as a group of five champion? Like, would you rather face a team that is a group of five champion like this, like San Jose State, which is good at everything, um, and and very good on the on on the lines, or would you rather play a group of five champion that had like a, a transcendent talent like? Marshall Falk at running back uh, where you knew who you needed the game plan for. Yeah, I, I would rather face the, the, the sort of one-man teams. And USC has seen those teams 
with G five G fives that they've played in the past, where Arkansas State, I can think of Arkansas State, uh, Utah State. Yep. Uh, what was his name? Chucky. Chucky Keaton. Chucky Keaton. Yeah. Friday night in Arkansas yeah, State. Yeah. There, there, there's always been somebody like this is the guy you need to worry about, uh, and that is, I think, something that USC has generally dealt with well when it comes to those teams. Like, I'm not saying that USC has has always beaten those teams the way that they should. That's a bigger conversation. But those teams are. Uh, the, the advantages that you feel like USC has are 90% across the board. And then that 10% isn't going to actually beat you. He may you know do some damage, but he's not going to beat you where if, you know, if, if San Jose state doesn't have uh, someone that, that like stands out to you, but they still won all those games because of their togetherness and their togetherness is what's ultimately the thing that you could see taking USC down right. more easily uh, because it's not just gonna the the bleeding's not gonna come from one spot if everyone on the other side of the of the of the line of scrimmage is competent. Yeah, and by by saying they don't have a danger man, I I don't want to downplay their offense because you know Derek Deese is really really good at tight end. Twenty catches last year, two hundred and forty yards. Most of that came in two games combined against San Diego State and Boise State. We had twelve catches, uh, a couple of touchdowns, one hundred and fifty two yards. He's a maculous guy, big body. Uh, exactly what you want from a tight end, number 87, like your prototypical looking tight end, that's Derek Thies Jr. Uh, and then at running back, you have Tyler Nevins, who can be really dangerous. He had a, uh, 12 carries and 91 yards last week in week zero against Southern Utah. Um, so they've got guys there. And Nick Starkle, like we mentioned, is very good and reliable and efficient at quarterback. So I'm not taking anything away from San, Diego, uh, San Jose State's offense because. Last year, they were 23, 23rd nationally in yards per play. They're going to move the ball. They're going to score points. They scored 45 against Southern Utah last week. Mind you, that's Southern Utah, an FCS yeah. team. I don't want to put any stock in that game at all. Well, that's the big that's the big equalizer or unequalizer that USC has, is that what San Jose State has accomplished and why you call them Iowa light is they did it against non-Power 5 teams. Yeah, the only team that they've played that I think anyone would consider in the stratosphere of a Power 5 team the last two years is Boise State, and they're obviously not a Power 5 team. And and this isn't the Boise State of, of the Chris Peterson era either. Right, like, yeah. They're, they're, they're good for a G5 team. They're not right. you know up there with the big boys. So, um, you know, th- this might be a good team, but USC, the talent advantages that USC has across the lineup is why they're a you yeah. know, 14, 17 San Jose State is 103rd in the country uh, in the 24-7 sports uh, talent composite. Yeah. So really, there's no excuse if USC lets them get one over on them. Yeah, there, there isn't. And, and to me, it definitely starts up front. Let's talk about those, those defensive ends uh, against USC's essentially debutante tackles, right? Uh Cortland Ford, second career start. Uh, we we can expect we we don't have the the depth chart, but we can expect USC starting offensive line to probably be Cortland Ford at left tackle, Andrew Voorhees at left guard, Brent Nealon at center, Liam Jimmins at right guard, and Jonah Monheim, uh, redshirt freshman at right tackle in his, what would be his first career start. Now Ford and Monheim did see plenty of action last year against Washington State. Ford made the start when Elijah Vera Tucker was out with COVID 
uh, among a bunch of guys. Remember, the offensive line was kind of makeshift that week. But this is Monheim's first start, uh, and he's expected to sort of supplant Jalen McKenzie as a starting right tackle, but they got to go up against Kate Hall and Valami Fajoko, who combined for 48 career starts. They combined for 16 sacks, 24 and a half tackles for loss. As I mentioned before, both first-team all-conference last year. Cade Hall, uh, Defensive Player of the Year in the conference in the Mountain West. You can only play who's in front of you, uh, and they played who's in front of them really, really, really well. Uh, and this is an SC offensive line that we know is inconsistent. We know that has had issues in the past. Now they bring in new offensive line coach Clay McGuire. This is week one, game one. I don't know that we can expect to see a big uptick from what Clay McGuire is going to give you. I, I, I That's a big question mark. And this is a USC offensive line that ranked 100-plus in every single advanced run-blocking stat last year. They're 109th in line yards. Uh, San Jose State was 43 defensively and 19th in sack rate. They're going to get after you. Uh, they held Boise State to just 12 rushing yards last year. And in that game, Fajoko had a season-high six tackles. Hall had three tackles for loss. Those guys can show out in big games. That was a conference championship game. This game is going to be their Rose Bowl, uh, you would have to imagine. So absolutely, I think you should be concerned. So when you look at it, is are, are those two guys, Hall and Fajoko, are they an enticing opportunity for Ford and Monheim to cut their teeth against in week one as defensive ends and tackles going up against them? Or is this a dangerous early challenge for an offensive line desperately needing to gel and gain confidence? Well, it, it it's almost the best of both worlds because, well, best in, in like a how are we evaluating this team kind of both worlds, um, because these are legitimate playmaking defensive linemen. Um, they aren't pushovers, but they're G5 defensive linemen. So... This is a cut your teeth opportunity. This is a this is an opportunity to show that you can hold your own. Now, it doesn't mean that you're going to be able to hold your own against you know the the power five G, uh, defensive linemen that you're going to face when you see Utah or or Notre Dame or ASU or any of those other teams. Uh, they may not be at that level, but they're they're not pushovers. They're not scrubs. So this is the kind of of test that they have to pass. Because if you can't pass this test, you're not going to pass the test two, three weeks down the line. You're not going to be able to hold hold your, your ground against the better linemen that are out there. So they better turn up here. This is, this is their opportunity. And hopefully it's not a situation where they go in and underestimate their opponent because there is literally zero reason to underestimate these guys. They have accomplished too much to sit there and say like, oh, we're going to be fine. They have to... They have to make sure that they're on top of things. But I also put out this challenge to USC's offensive line uh, coach Clay McGuire, to the offensive coordinator Graham Harrell, the uh, the the run game coordinator um, Mike Jenks, the whole shebang. They have to prove that they can game plan around defensive ends that might have the physical capabilities to beat their their tackles to get in the face of their guards, like. I really want to see how USC schematically deals with facing do do good that? defensive linemen. Well, don't li- don't don't hang. Yeah, get the ball out early. Don't hang out. Don't hang guys out to dry. Uh, don't plan to have you know. Don't don't say we're gonna let Jonah Monheim go one on one with uh, with Hall, and then if he gets beat, well, sucks to be us. He's just gonna get beat. I want to see them 
if the if they got if they can't physically handle these guys, change things up, double team guys, bring in more protection from tight ends, running backs, do something because we've seen in the past that they don't adjust to what the defense is doing up front. They just say, "Oh, the word this was what we're doing," and well, we got beat physically. Well, okay, then well then why didn't you change something to deal right. with that? Like that's what I want to see from them. None of that bullcrap that we've seen from USC in the past. Yeah, I, I think I think you put it perfectly when you said that this is a this is a tough test, but it's one that you have to pass because everyone or at least most of the tests for the rest of the season are going to be harder than this. Uh, and that's not to take away anything from Hall and Vahoko. Those guys are really good, but again, you look at the talent disparity uh between what what there is at the G5 level uh and what there is in the, in, in the Power 5. Not to mention that USC's offensive line faces a bigger challenge than Hall and Fajoko every single day in practice. It's just a matter of doing those things in a game and being able to succeed. And we know that they don't always succeed uh, in practice, in part because USC's defensive front looks good. And we've talked about it before. Like th- This is could be one of the strengths of USC's team is what they can do up front uh, with Coach Vic Sohoto. So it's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating uh, uh we can flip it around go to the other side of the ball and I think it's interesting because we talk about how USC's defensive line is is probably better or you would assume uh than San Jose State so USC's offensive line would f- face them every day I think it's an interesting case to talk about San Jose State's offensive line because I don't know if that's the case I I, I think USC's offensive line and San Jose State's offensive line. I don't know if SC wins that battle in a toss-up. We're going to have to see. Uh, And the reason I say this is because San Jose State brings back everybody. 95 career starts among the starting five. That goes up to 112 if you include the top six linemen. They're led by left tackle Jack Snyder, an all-team, all-first-team Mountain West guy, they excel in pass blocking, and this is a pass-first offense that is going to try to throw the ball more than 60% of the time. Sixth in sack rate, only 14th uh, in standard down sack rate. They allowed one sack per game last year, and only once last year did they allow more than one sack per game. They allowed two, once. So this is a team that is incredibly consistent on the, on the offensive front. Uh, their run blocking stats leave a little bit to be desired. 114th in opportunity rate, 124th in stuff rate. That's a little familiar if you're a USC fan looking at this. Uh, but they've given up big runs, three runs of 60 plus yards last year. So I don't know. A veteran group. They they have chemistry. They have cohesion. They played a bunch last year. They they won a bunch together. This is going to be a good test for USC's defensive front. Yeah, and it's another one of those things where USC's defensive front should be able to handle this test because they did all of those things against Mountain West opposition last year. And Mountain West opposition is just not going to be at the level that USC is going to face week in, week out in the Pac-12. And certainly not in the the out-of-conference slate that USC has outside of uh, this game. So USC's defensive line, I would expect them to have the edge here. If they don't have the edge here, then start worrying because we kind of shrug at the offensive line being outplayed by the defensive line for USC during the offseason because, 
wow, we think this defensive line could be really good, you know, really like Drake Jackson, really like um, uh, uh, Tupelo too. Um, uh, why am I forgetting his first name? Tuli Tupelo too. Sorry, Tuli. Uh, and Vic Zota, we have immense faith in as far as getting this defensive line ready to go. This is not going to be a cakewalk for them. They're going to have to prove that they are actually not just okay. They're going to have to be great in order to get the edge in this lineup. And I think they can. I think they should. If they don't, well, then the excuses that we make for the offensive line don't work anymore. And the expectations that we have for the defensive line don't work anymore because this this is a good group. But USC, if USC wants to accomplish what they want to accomplish this year, they need to be able to handle the. If they face Oregon in the in the uh, Pac-12 championship game, Oregon's a lot better up uh, up front. Utah, you expect, will be better up front. BYU arguably should be better up front. Yeah, um, and BYU lost like everybody on their roster, yeah. and you expect them to be better. Yeah, ASU, uh, you know, even Stanford. Stanford recruits the offensive line very well. Uh, UCLA, like, I just go down the line, and 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 you look at it, and you say. As good as this offensive front is for San Jose State, they're not the best offensive front that USC is going to face all year. So this is the sort of show me moment for USC's defensive line of like these high expectations I have for you. Am I right to have them? So that's going to be the thing that that again, I'm I'm watching because USC should win despite the difficulty of this matchup. This should be a matchup that that USC gets the, the upper hand in. Yeah, this this goes back to the expectations that we're talking about for USC. I think San Jose State is a good team. I think they're a really good team who's well-coached. They have an offense that was really explosive, in, again, in Week 0 against an FCS opponent. Um, I don't know that they're going to be that explosive going forward. I think they're a good, not great offense. Um, but they're this is a good, not great team at literally every part of the team, um, which makes them really difficult because they're so structurally sound in that sense. Um, and they're a good team. They're going to give any team that they play in the country a run for their money because they're well-coached and because those things tend not to, to slump, right? Um, and we know SC has struggled in those areas. At the same point, if this is an SC team that's expected to be a conference champ, if this is an SC team that's expected to uh, compete for the playoff and all those kind of things then this is not a game that should give SC a hiccup. I think I think you can you can have your moment of struggle for a second, but SC needs to be able to uh, exert their will and have a talent advantage, uh, not to mention that San Jose State last year did not play anybody who was close to what USC has in terms of offensive talent. I think the closest team was Nevada, uh, and ne- <laughs> that Nevada game was... Freaking wild. Uh, Nevada led the game 20-7, to had a win probability of 90.7 at halftime, and just completely came out in the second half at home in Reno and fell in the flat on their face. So, I, I, I don't know. Nevada was the only opponent to outperform their yards per carry average on the grounds, but almost everybody did it through the, through the air. Uh, and San Jose State only allowed three pass, uh, three. Uh, sorry, they only forced three interceptions all season last year. Only Vandy and UTEP had fewer picks in as many as eight games. So when you look at this, I think SC should be able to throw the ball. Uh, 
and they have the talent advantage up front, even if they don't have the chemistry um, and the ability to, and, and the reliability that you want to put up there uh, for SC in the trenches, just knowing SC's recent history. But there's no reason they can't uh, exert their will but that's uh, why offensively and defensively in this game. That's why this game isn't this game isn't about winning or losing. There's no excuse. You have to win this game. Uh, losing this game is as again San Jose State, good team, but you still have no business losing to them. You all, I mean, and that's basically because who on San Jose State is going to stop Drake London? Right. Just nobody. who? 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 Who is going to stop Drake London? Yeah. Trey Jenkins is good, but I don't think he's that good. No. So that, I mean, that, that just sort of settles that the question I continue to have is, okay, can you do more than just Drake London is better than them? Right. Like, can you do more than just Keaton Slovis is okay. better than them? So, so what's the threshold? What's the threshold between winning the game and winning it because you're USC and what's the difference between winning the game in a way that you would feel satisfied with this from a USC perspective. I would feel satisfied as you if USC scored more than 40 points because USC has a very very annoying habit of barely being able to score 30 points in a game despite how good their offense is. Right. Which is which is just mind mind-boggling because USC like objectively all the numbers say that USC has an incredible offense and yet how many times has USC actually like put up points on teams? They have a great offense and in, in the exception of Seeing it come to fruition by getting into the end zone. Yeah. Yeah. So put up at least 40 points against a decent defense. That would mean something to me. Yep. And on on defense, my thing would just be don't make don't make the stupid mistakes that we've seen. So just tighten up. So this defense, ideally, you'd hold them under 20 points. Um, if you hold them under 10 points, I will be incredibly excited. Uh, but uh, but, you know, just don't defense for me is way more about the eye test because USC's yeah. offense passes the eye test a lot. Score the damn points. Defense for me is about the eye test because if you give up, you know, 21 points in the second half when you have cleared the benches, I don't give a crap. It's funny you say that because I think it's the other way around for me. I think, I think usually it's the defense that passes the eye test, but the stats aren't there. And it's the, the offense that doesn't pass the eye test, but the stats are there. Well, I can see that in a in a different way than I'm looking at it, but yes, sure. yeah. yeah, yeah. In in the sense that like the defense, the the def I don't care how many points the defense gives up to a certain point, right? Like if the defense gives up 25 points, I don't think that's a big deal. But I am going to judge the offense on the numbers and the very specific number of like. And a lot of it is what's the context, yeah. right? What's the yeah. context of the 30? 31 points you score. And what's the context of the 28 points you give up? Well, and even if USC scores like 28 points in the first half, USC's up 28 to three. They're blowing out. I still want to see you get to 40 points because you haven't been able to do that crap. Like do, do do the second half where you just put your foot on the throat and just be done. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of what UCLA had last week where... Um, they they went into the Hawaii game in which they should blow them out, but they had this weird thing where they they have struggled under Chip Kelly against uh, non conference opponents, and so like you almost like if you're a UCLA fan, you needed a blowout win to prove to yourself that you could do it. Yeah, that and, this is different. And like Essie's in that same same boat when you look at 
against the spread every single year in week one, SC absolutely struggles. They struggle under Clay Helton in and week the sp- one. And the spread this week, the, this week is not that big. Like, this spread yeah, should be 14. bigger. If you think of USC as a Pac-12 title yeah. contender. If, if you think of USC as a Pac-12 title contender, yes. If you think of facing... In the context a, of, yeah. A, a G5 team that went undefeated in their conference last year, yeah. I can understand a 14-point spread. But if SC is the... The title contender that that you think that they should be, then you need to win by more than 14 points. Yes, you need to win by more than 20 points. Yeah. Uh, Let's take a quick break and let's get to some over and under. Uh, Talking about USC and San Jose State. So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I'll go under. I got to take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. All right, Alicia, let's get to over under first week of the year. We did put up the uh, season over unders. We're going to put up the uh, game over unders from this week, USC and San Jose State, both in the show notes. Go check that out. We'll also tweet out the link on Twitter. Again, you can play along with us and you got to because we want to see how good your picks are. Uh, come join us and uh, see who gets bragging rights at the end of the year for being the best over-under picker. Is it going to be you? Is it going to be me? Is it going to be Alicia? Is it going to be who? I don't know. We're going to have to see. Uh, what's your first over-under for the season in terms of uh, game week over-under, Alicia? Yeah, so I'm looking at uh, the the defense. How does the, the run defense look this this week? Uh, so I've got 4.25 San Jose State yards per carry. Now, last season, USC allowed opponents to have 4.24 yards per attempt on average. Uh, San Jose State averaged 4.49 yards per attempt. And, and last week, again, in a game that doesn't really tell us much, they averaged 5.78 yards per carry. So this isn't a team that's going to look to beat you with their running, uh, but USC's defensive uh, sort of philosophy, it needs to sharpen up against the run, even against teams that that's not their primary uh, primary goal. That's not what they're going to set out to beat you with. Right. Um, this will be a reflection of that defensive line, offensive line uh, battle. That This will also be a reflect, re- big, big, big reflection of, of USC's linebackers because I think USC's run issues, run defense issues, have largely been dealing with linebacker play. So 4.25. San Jose State yards per carry. Uh, given the under, I think this is an easy under to take. Um, San Jose State is going to want to throw the ball. I think they're a team that moves the ball much better through the air. Uh, they averaged 430 yards per game in, in total offense last year. Most of that uh, was through the air. Um, and on the ground, they were at 4.49 yards per carry. That was against Mountain West competition. Um now they face an SC offensive front. I mean, d- defensive line that I think is only going to get better this year, even despite losing the guys that they did. Uh, you got Corey Foreman added to the mix. Drake Jackson. Yeah. Give me the under. All right. Cool. My first one, uh, still going on those kind of things. USC's defensive line against San Jose State's offensive front. Uh, over or under one and a half sacks. San Jose State allowed one sack per game in 2020, as we mentioned before, and only one time did they record more than that. Uh, and it was Boise State who did two. They had two sacks. Uh, SC, meanwhile, averaged two and a half per game in 2020 and consistently got more than two 
Can they get two or more on Saturday at the Coliseum against San Jose State? One and a half is the line. Give me the big over on this one. Uh, if there's one thing I'm certain of, it's that USC's pass rush can get the job done, even against this offensive line. I think Drake Jackson, Corey Foreman, uh, Tuli Tupelotu, all those guys, and guys on on blitzes and, and from other places, I think it'll it'll come. So yeah, give me that over. I know I spoiled it last year with talking about Grant Cannell, but uh, Nick Starkle, not necessarily a runner. Yeah. So I, I think SC might have the chance uh, to, to get after him that way. Uh, what's your next over-under? All right, I got 3.5 carries for Keenan Kristen. Uh, again, he's just a guy that keeps getting talked about as, is he going to see more action? Last year, he had two attempts per game. Uh, Keontae Ingram, Vivai Malapai, we expect to be the, the guys who command the most attention here. So will USC figure out... Actually, can I, I'm going to change this to touches. Will USC figure out a way to get Keenan Kristen involved in this game? 3.5 touches for Keenan Kristen. Uh, do touches include uh, special teams? No. No. Okay. Offensive touches. Offensive touches. So uh, pa- okay. uh, uh, rushing attempts and catches. catches. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm. Hmm. This is tough because I, I'm at the point where I'll see it when I believe it with Keenan Kristen's <laughs> usage. Yeah. Um, at the same time, it is week one. I think if there's a time that you want to give him like four or five carries, this could be it. Uh, this also could be a moment in which if SC is better than advertised and is able to put together a game in which they can get some bodies in there late, I could absolutely see him getting a couple of drives late um, and really getting a bunch of carries. Um, give me the over, but I'm not confident on this. All right. I'll take that under then. All righty. Uh, next one. Over or under uh, 0.5. Catches by Trevon Sidney. Trevon Sidney. Remember him? Yeah. I did not realize he was still in college football. Yes. He's still in college football and he's playing at San Jose State and will be at the Coliseum this Saturday, the former USC wide receiver. This is his first year with the Spartans. He's spent the last couple uh, at Illinois. He did not see action in week zero, but he is listed as a second team wide receiver. Wasn't even on the field last year. I mean, last week in terms of Participation, not listed in the participation list, but he's still listed in the depth chart. So 0.5 catches by Trevon Sidney. Oh, yeah, I, okay, I'm going to take the under just because the fact that he didn't see any time last week, I don't know, context, maybe he was, maybe he was dealing with an injury. Maybe there was some other reason. I don't know. I looked this up and could not find find anything. anything. Yeah. I just think that if you didn't see time against Southern Utah... Oh, context, not to cut you off here, but context. Literally everybody played like a full game. Because it was a blowout. No, but oh. like, I was surprised looking at their numbers. Like everyone played as if that was like a normal opponent. Oh, so they didn't like... So it's not like the they treated it treated it like a preseason game, no. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm i going to take the under just just based on that. Uh, I I think if you weren't involved in the Southern Utah game, I just can't see you being involved in the USC game, even if there's that history. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. I think I think that's probably the right safe pick to to go. So that locks me in for the over. But I do think there's a chance that you're like, oh, we got to get him involved because of the history and blah yeah. blah blah. Yeah. Uh, and maybe that's worth a catch or two. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. 
Uh, what's your next one? All right, we're sticking with catches. We're going two point five tight end t- tight end catches for USC. Um, it's the tight end unit. It's the conversation every year again. Like Keenan Kristen, we're gonna get these guys more involved. Uh, Drake London is not a tight end, even though they have used him like that in the past. So we're talking Eric Cromenhoek. We're talking Michael Trigg. We're talking. You know, all of those guys. Might be the easiest over under you've ever done. Are you, what are you? You're going with the over? Yes, I'm going yeah. with the over. This is a week again. Uh, Gary Bryant's out. We talked about Bruce McCoy's not there. Um, you also add in the fact that that this is a team with a very good defensive front. I could see checkdowns to Eric Cromenhoek. Uh, I could see a couple of those in addition to them potentially wanting to get Jude Wolf and Michael Trigg and all those guys, Josh Follow involved. All right. That's a fair point. Uh, last one for me is 11 and a half carries for Keontae Ingram. Uh, USC, of course, expected to split the carries amongst the backs. He averaged 10 carries per game in Texas's first five games of 2020, which, interestingly enough, uh, he can, he played in Texas's first six games last year. All of those were before SC played a single game. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Good times. Uh, but 11 and a half carries for Keontae Ingram. It's a little high. Definitely a little high there, considering he's someone listed as probable. Yeah, that's that's making me nervous. I don't know. Um, I think the smart choice is to go with the under here. But I think this one is... I, I don't know that there's like a... I don't even think you can make an educated guess on this one. I think this the if the line would have been nine and a half. Would you still take the under? <sighs> I still would have been in the same situation. I might have taken the over, uh, but I I I expect Keontae Ingram and Vivai Malapai to sort of split carries, sure. and I expect USC to not go out of their way to involve either one of them. So. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. All right, you're locked in for the over. Uh, so, sorry no, for the under. Theater. I'm locked in for the over. Uh, so here we go to Robots putting in uh, over unders. We'll we'll rapid fire these. You guys were awesome for sending these in. Uh, ten and a half catches for Drake London. What do you got? Uh, again, this is just a situation where I feel like I have to go with the under because that's a lot of catches. And, uh, like, I think it's entirely possible he gets, like, 13. But also, I think the at law of averages says that, like, they they will want to spread it around to other people. So I'll go under. Yeah. I I, I kind of agree. Um, I, I think 10.5 is really high. I think it's easy to say that he could get there, but he could with Gary Bryant being out. I wouldn't be surprised if he had like a 13-catch game, but I'm not going to bank on that. Give me the under. Uh, next one from Samuel. One and a half tackles for Corey Foreman. We know he's dealing with the groin injuries listed as questionable. Yeah, I'm going under again, not because I think that Corey Foreman couldn't do it. It's just the the sort of smart money says that there's a chance he doesn't play. There's a chance he doesn't play that often. There's a chance they don't run his way. There's just chances that he'll like end up with one tackle and it's not by any fault of his own. Yeah, I agree. Give me the under uh, for that as well. Uh, next one from Brandon. Over or under 200 rushing yards for USC? Under. Under. I don't. I Again, I don't. I don't. This is one of those ones where I just, I just think this is a crapshoot. I don't know. Perfect world. You throw for 350 and you run for 250. Um, 
that's not going to happen. Um, I, I you'd like to say over, but I, I think the under is the safe bet for the, sure. The thing is, and I'm going with the under here, but like the thing is, it is week one, so they might have like an idealistic sense of like, oh, we're going to run the ball a lot. So I don't know. Right. I I, I don't think the over is a bad bet. So I think yeah. just think the under is maybe a little bit safer there. Uh, last one. Uh, 0.5 Drew Worthy Ben Griffith's punts. Uh, that is a... First uh, of all, we need to define what a... What is Drew Worthy? Yes, I'm, define it. I will go over so long as we can agree that like... What What is uh, it? Is, is it inside, any, the, any inside pun- the... Any punt inside the 10? Or any punt where either one of us agrees that we said, oh, that's a great punt. Like, good job, Ben. Like, like. I, I, I think it needs to be more clear than that. Can I, can I suggest something? What? Inside the 10 or over 55 yards? Inside the 10 or over 50 yards. Okay. I'll okay. give it to you. Okay. If that's the case, give me the over. Okay. We're agreeing on all of these. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh. Dave, Alicia completely stole your San Jose State state sacks. Yeah, sorry, my yeah, bad. So, uh, let's get to uh, game predictions. Bill Connolly's numbers over at the SP Plus from ESPN. He's his numbers are saying that USC is going to win this forty-one to eighteen. Yikes! With a ninety-one percent USC win probability. Okay. Vegas has the line at fourteen over at the win. Uh, with a uh, over under of ninety, sorry, fifty nine point five. Yeah. Alicia, what is your prediction? See, the problem with Bill Connolly's numbers is it isn't Bill Connolly deciding this; it's Bill Connolly's algorithm deciding this. And Bill Connolly's algorithm believes in USC way more than I believe in USC. So I am going with the worst outcome not the worst but like i again my whole this year it's just pessimistic alicia out there uh usc 30 san jose state 21 that's my deal all right um i am very frustrated because when i made this rundown the other day i asked you i I wrote in my my score and then i asked you what your you you said yours was and you said something nearly identical to me uh 34 21 is the score for me um, I, which is just slightly not covering SC winning by 13. I think SC uh, struggles at times, but still gets the job done. Uh, and it'll forever be one of those games in which people are frustrated and have to call into the rant line, but we'll see. 213-373-1872 uh, is that phone number. Uh, Alicia, we got to get to the to mailbag and call this an episode. So let's get to the mailbag now. You've got mail. All right, let's start with the voicemail we got from the 435 area code. What's up, USC fans? Get up for it. Game day's just five days away. So, hey, uh, I was calling because I listened to your over-under show today. It's Tuesday the 31st, and uh, I think you're overall most of the way right. Um, I think Helton gets fired sooner. Then uh, the ten and a half games. I I think you should be shooting for seven rather than the ten and a half, just because I foresee that he just doesn't. He's got the talent. His recruiting is out of this world, but his the development 
is just not there. And so I think that he's got just too many issues to overcome, even with the good coaches around him. And you're right. Carroll um, hasn't was unbelievable with developing the, the talent that he got. Um, it's just like by far and away, I think he was, I mean, we haven't seen a winning, a good winning season since he left for the NFL. But, uh, I wanted to let you know, uh, my, my prediction for Saturday is, uh, uh, after what San Jose State did to my alma mater over the weekend, um, I think that they may score half as many points as they did. Um, so somewhere between 27 and we'll say 33 is what San Jose State will score. And I think SC with all their, uh, ineptitude in starting things off and especially moving the ball consistently will score somewhere between 20, three and 33 points so i mean take that for what it is if they end up losing this game don't be too shocked because i know after that eastern michigan game a few years back that uh they don't take any opponent seriously especially ones that are uh below so hope to hear from you about tomorrow and uh We'll call in the rant line after Saturday. Okay? Fight on. Thanks for the voicemail. Um, yeah, I, so much of this season and, and Helton is just, we all know. We, like, we all know at this point. We, we just all, we, like, I just don't know that there's that much more to say on any, in any, uh, sort of plane of, of this conversation. Like it's it's the mediumness, right? I yeah. mean it's the mediumness when you look at this game. It's the mediumness when you look at uh the the season, the 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 prospects moving forward. And it's unfortunate because I, I think it it doesn't do the current players a dis the, does them a disservice, right? Because I think there is a lot of talent on this team and a lot of ability to be really, really, really good on this team. And people have to end up being reluctant to really buy in, right? Because because of waving my hands in the general direction. Because of all of that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's go to a next call, which is from uh, Josh in Buckeye Country. Yes. Uh, hi, Michael and Alicia. It's that guy from the 614 calling again, uh, Josh from Buckeye Country. Listening to the podcast, uh, driving into work this morning, and uh, I was wondering, hey, maybe it's an over-under for you or not, but how many games does, one, does the Trojans need to win on, by double digits or more? What is that, that number that they need to crush teams by to be sexy, you know what I mean, and say that they unequivocally have this thoroughly whomped team? I mean, obviously, we all want to see them hang like 40 on everybody, but what is that number? And what is your over-under that, SC can can at least beat teams by twenty or more points. Uh, sorry for the sporadicness. Uh, I love the show. Fight on. Look forward to the one on Wednesday. Yeah, thanks for the voicemail as always, Josh. Um, and and good luck in Buckeye Country. Uh, okay, so the the over under on USC sort of winning games by twenty or more points. I I'm just 
I take whatever number I put it at, I put it at the under. Let's say half the season, let's say six games, take that under. I just, I don't have any faith in USC doing what we've been talking about them doing for years. Uh, you know, I, I'm just not more. I'm just not expecting anything more than we've seen, and we've seen is they're not going to do that. So, what they need to do is they'll do it to Arizona, then maybe that's it. They need to score 40 reliably, 50, uh, plenty of times, but maybe not every week. Um, and they need to just do that consistently with the defense, the whole teams between 17 and 24 points. And if you do that, you're going to look real good. And it's going to be like 2019 where you win, sorry, 2016, where you win every game 45 to 20 and you feel good about yourself because you look at last year, they only won one game by 20 plus points. That was a Washington state game in which they outscored them 28, nothing in the first quarter. Uh, and then we outscored kind of meh and then we're the outscored the 13 yeah. to 10, the last three quarters. So yeah. Yeah, the only game that SC scored 40 points, they did it on the very last play of the game against UCLA. So uh, you need I think it's scoring offense more so than the margin of victory because I think if you score an offense, the margin of victory will come with that. Uh, it's just a matter of how it does. Uh, let's go to a Slack message we got from Evan. Is there any advantage that we get week one uh, considering San Jose State played week zero and we didn't? Is there a disadvantage that comes from playing them in week zero and us not playing. Uh, the advantage is that you get to see who's starting. Uh, you get to see what lineups they were using. We don't know how vanilla they went with their game plan, but you at least get to see something what they look like this year. And that's an advantage for you to see. The advantage is that they got the all their, uh, work out all their the rest in week one, and they're going to come in feeling confident, feeling good. They're going to come in knowing what, what they're about. And USC is has all that rust that they're going to have to kick off in yeah. the opening stages of this game. Yeah, it would be easier if they, if they had played an opponent that wasn't an FCS team that maybe was a Power 5 team because then you could truly compare and get some sense of anything. But the only definitive answer is they got to shake off the rust. It's, it's really the only thing that I can take of it more than anything. Uh, let's go to a Slack message from Trent. How many college teams wouldn't trade their quarterback for Keaton Slovis right now, excluding... Uh, option schemes. I think the vast majority would trade for Slovis. I'm sure. I think the majority in the in the Pac-12. I think you're talking about him. like ten schools nationwide, just off the top of my head. Like, well, Alabama, with, with, Clemson, without, without like legitimately naming, going through and naming all the ten, it's probably like ten. And actually, it would be very interesting because, like, would Bryce Young be the guaranteed starter if Keaton Slovis and Bryce Young had a competition this offseason I, th- I think if you're Alabama you you roll with Bryce Young yeah for sure but like but like so they wouldn't trade for him but like you wouldn't give up the the prospects of, yeah. of Bryce Young going forward with all his eligibility but it, but if he was on your roster would he be would he be the guy that like Bryce Young is waiting behind like it just I think that there are very 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 few teams out here who wouldn't upgrade with Slovis yeah I I, I agree so like the, the nitpicking that USC fans have of him from watching him every week I don't think it's the same nitpicking that other schools would have. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't nitpick him. Absolutely be critical. Um, but but I think that Keaton Slovis is, yeah, there's like maybe 10 schools that would want to keep their current guy slash not lose the prospects of someone uh, going forward. Uh, Slack message from SJ in Santa Barbara. How do you think the 2020 change in Title IX law, uh, which allows more rights to those accused of sexual assaults will affect the Brew McCoy case. This change in law basically allows those accused of harassment and assault to question evidence and cross-examine their accusers. 
it's a good question, SJ. I think because we haven't seen it in practice at USC yet, it's going to be hard to say. Uh, I think the status quo could could absolutely follow follow forward. Uh, I think this could maybe change the way entirely how USC does their their Title IX uh, situations. I know that Brew McCoy has gone to a judge to ask um, the uh, to to put an end to the emergency like barring of Brew McCoy from campus or something. Uh, some legalese uh, as far as like challenging the the current uh, situation that he's in with USC. So. That'll be something to keep an eye on. Uh, but you would have to imagine this gives Brew McCoy a better chance to work his way back. But I don't know that it means that he will. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how anyone can predict anything at this point. Uh, the only thing we can you could gleam from anything is that the players who have had Title IX stuff at SC have not come back. So you can I, I guess you can basically say don't get your hopes up. Um, but yeah, I don't know how this but thing is going to change. I, and I don't, I don't think I can, I, I don't think I'm someone who can um, knowledgeably talk about these sort of things without like knowing the, the legalese and all that stuff. But I mean, at the same time, like if he does come back, then you could point to that change as saying, well, that makes some sense about why this you, happened. You could. It's not I don't necessarily, know necessarily a, true. Yeah. Correlation. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know enough about the legal stuff to uh, to really say. I wish I did. I don't. Uh, Slack message from Dave in Orange County. Who are the most likely freshmen to burn their red shirt? Uh, what do you mean by burn the red shirt? Because do you mean play? Because Corey no, Foreman th- is think... absolutely one of those guys. But I don't think Corey Foreman ever had a red shirt in the sense of... No, I think like, like You never considered red shirting Corey Foreman. So him playing is not burning one. Right. But it's still burning it. Like, even if no one expected you to take a red shirt, doesn't mean that you don't burn your red shirt. Yeah, but but I think that you this kind of thing is... I think the spirit of this question think, absolutely could be like, who do you end up playing that maybe you didn't expect? No, I think the spirit of the question is who's going to play as a freshman. Right. And I think Corey Foreman is... I think Jackson... If you want to talk about burning a red shirt, I think Jackson Dart burns his red shirt I by st- being I the st- backup quarterback. I still don't think that happens. Um, uh, Michael Jackson the third. I think there's a really good chance that uh, Kyron Ware Hudson does. Um, Michael Trigg. Uh, Michael Trigg. Um, who else? Who are there? Oh, uh, Corners. Um, any what? Prophet Brown or... or um, any one of the new corners that comes in could see him working in. Any of the safeties could see them working in. Like, again, it's it's a free-for-all with the red shirts. Because the four games lets you play guys, and playing guys means you get to see what they've got. And sometimes they show you that they mm-hmm. have more than you expect. The linebacker situation, SC has a billion linebackers, so like I'm reluctant to say Rajon Davis Rajon could Davis, be in there, yeah. But they, they have, have a billion, a billion of, linebackers, but how many but, of them are proven to be any good? Right, like that's the thing. I, less about proven to be any good, and more so have proven to take the job and just not give it up, yeah. right? Yeah, and, or be healthy. Yes, yeah. or that, yeah. So... I, I I don't know, I, but either way, Corey Foreman is the one who's definitely going to play, hundred percent for sure. Uh, that's gonna wrap up this this first game preview episode of the season. USC and San Jose State uh, playing at two p.m. Pacific time uh, on the Pac-12 networks. Thanks for listening. As always, we'll be back with you on Saturday night with the Carcast to give you our thoughts about USC's season opening game at the Coliseum. Uh, as always, that's going to wrap it up. And at least you got any final words? 
The final word is fingers, as in cross your fingers that COVID-19 does not impact USC's season because, uh, newsflash, Tyron Matthew just tested positive for COVID-19. So, he's vaccinated. Make it happen. Just cross your fingers. Basically, my, my, word of, my final word of all of these episodes is going to be, what am I about to start writing about as my shift begins on fansetter.com? You know what's funny? When you said Tyron Matthew, I transposed USC alums, and I'm like, does she mean Tyron Smith or Clay oh, Matthew? <laughs> no. No. It's just hashtag working. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, send us send us your, your calls into the rant line, 213-373-1872. You know how to do it. You're watching the game. You're mad. You're happy. You're sad. You're pumped. Whatever it is, happy, sad, whatever, rave, rants, give it to us, 213-373-1872 is that phone number. You know what would be nice? I'm going to start challenging people. This is how we drum up people to participate in these things. Challenging everybody. Give out helmet stickers or give it. Give us your studs and duds. Um, give us uh, call in and tell us these are my two guys who this is my envy this is my uh, offensive player of the game this is my defensive player of the game something like that make up an award make up let's make up an award give out Roddy's we we're giving out weekly weekly Roddy's guys so a give give out uh, best one handed catch that involved. Uh, beating three defenders on his way to the end zone. You're going to tell these people to do this and then I'm going to have like 804 calls to go through. That's what we want. That's what we want. Put me to work on Sunday. Put Michael to work on Sunday. That's what she's saying. And you guys get to work on making your over-under picks. The links are in the show notes for both the season predictions and the game predictions. So go do that. Make make your picks in over-under so that way you can get to see uh, how you compare against us. We'll keep a tally throughout the whole season and see who leads at the end of the year. But uh, yeah, that's it. It's going to wrap us up. We'll see you guys Saturday night. See ya. See ya. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.